Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Jyoti Nadani. Jyoti is a tech entrepreneur turned therapist. She started her career in business after receiving an MBA and then co-founding a software company in 2004, which was eventually acquired. She then switched careers and completed her master's degree in counseling. She's been providing counseling to people working in the tech industry and those who live in multi-generational families. She's also a certified yoga teacher and a practitioner of mindfulness meditation. Today, we talk about the mental health approaches for entrepreneurs and tech founders. Welcome, Jyoti. Thank you, Josephine. Glad to be here. I've been drawn to your work because I'm interested in the work that you do in terms of working with people in tech and entrepreneurs, and I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about your process and the work you do. Yeah. So I would say that tech and startup world are built on the backs of incredibly bright minds. Founders of startups have to transform an idea into a successful, scalable business quickly. They are under pressure to run a successful company, stay on top of a fast-paced competitive industry. Entrepreneur is often expected to play multiple roles and multiple tasks at the same time. For instance, founders have to constantly pursue the investors while at the same time run the company and hit the sales targets. Entrepreneurs often lead hectic routine lives that neglect all their life except the work and they estimate the benefits of the rest. This creates an unbalanced and unhealthy mental health environment. Entrepreneurs not only devote their maximum time and energy to their business, but they also start viewing the business's success or failure as their own, which impacts their self-esteem. Let me tell you, before they make it big, they struggle through moments of near debilitating anxiety. There are times when it seems everything might crumble, and then the success rate is very low out of Mm-hmm. I would say there are 95% of the companies that do not make it great. So you can imagine the stress that each individual is going through when they're running a company. And I bet burnout is pretty high. Yes. And I would say it's like riding a lion. People think they are brave. While the entrepreneurs are thinking, how the heck did I get on the lion? And how can I save myself from being eaten? Mm. I would say like many entrepreneurs share innate character traits that make them more vulnerable to mood swings. People who are on the energetic, motivated and creative side are both more likely to be an entrepreneur and more likely to have strong emotional states that include depression, hopelessness, worthlessness, loss of motivation and frequently suicidal thinking. I would say why I got into this field was, uh, first I was always passionate about working with people. As an entrepreneur myself, I felt the need to understand resilience and mental health challenges. 
I always had a desire to normalize discussing mental health challenges without the fear of repercussions. I have been through times of feeling lonely and questioning my emotions. It was a struggle to find a non-judgmental language to express the challenging emotions. Fortunately, sometime back my company got acquired and I decided to study the human mind. Hmm. Was it a hard decision to move out of that world? Because I would assume there's always a strive. You've had success to, to be able to achieve more. I would say it was hard and maybe something I always wanted to do. So it, I think it was needed. That's what I felt, that it was needed. Fortunately, I didn't have to worry about the bills. And I was able to realize that there is no ending to more achievements, there has to be a place where I had to settle down and see what was more important. Mm -hmm. And I, I had kids myself, and I felt that there is more need in mental health awareness. Because even if we don't have a diagnosis, we are going through mental health stresses, and we are not talking about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have so many other questions to ask you too, in terms of thinking about being a female in tech, we talked about kind of the risk factors and the sensitivities that entrepreneurs have, but then to what degree does that shift when we're dealing with someone who's a female, who's maybe a minority in that or a minority in that setting yes. too? Yes, absolutely. You're right. And even now we are a minority. So Things are changing, I would say. A lot of female entrepreneurs are coming up, but it's more challenging for a female to raise funding. It's much more challenging for the female because of the role expectations. Mostly caregiving roles falls back on the females. And I would say they get abused not only by the society, even their family starts questioning them. Hmm. Yeah, fortunately, my kids were grown, so I had crossed that burden. But I would say that I had gone through my own challenges too. And that made me more sensitive towards other women entrepreneurs. And where does being an, maybe an immigrant fit into entrepreneurs and the struggles that they face? Yeah. So, yes, immigration was a big factor too. I mean, immigration is never easy because you lose your entire support system. Mm. And the other downside of immigration is you always feel lonely because when you're in entrepreneurship, you are not forced to meet your work colleagues and there is a hierarchy between your employees and you. So it's never the same. So yeah, immigration make, made it much more challenging. And I think every immigrant goes through the challenge oh, just the fact that they are immigrant, it makes it much harder for them. And I would say when we talk about immigration, you lose a support system. You have to convince people. People, It's hard for people to trust you when you are in a startup because they don't know about you. There is no social connections. Referral works a lot. And that's, there's nobody there to refer you out. So it's like you are on your own trying to manage raising funds, working companies, or even getting employees. So yeah, there's a lot when you run a company. Yeah. So when you went into the field, you knew you were going to focus on entrepreneurs and, and people in the tech field in your clinical practice? 
No. So I would say during my internship, like after my education, I had to do my internship and I was working with different agencies and I was working with different schools. And it was a shocking realization to me that parents were transferring their insecurities to their children. And when I was working with the children or the teenagers, I was just, I'm more of a family systems person. And I could see how the insecurities of the parents are being reflected on the children where parents are not ideally there for the children emotionally and even physically. And then they they are going through their own stresses and they are passing on the same stresses to the kids and the kids are not ready to take those stresses. And mental health needs has been increasing every day. The pandemic year has made it much worse, but even otherwise, it has been increasing, especially in teenagers and kids too. So that's when I decided I'm going to work with adults and couples because if there are happy couples, they would be happy parents and then there would be happy families. And due to my experience as a co-founder, mostly founders and techies, they would reach out to me. I was seek out with women entrepreneurs too. What is kind of a common scenario that someone would decide to seek treatment? Generally, founders or co-founders, they would come that, hey, we, we are starting this company and we get into this conflict and we really want to have better communication and better understanding of each other. Would you be able to help us? So those are the individuals, I would say, not couples or families. And then sometimes there are couples where both the partners are running the company together and they are struggling with the communication or with the relationship. And then again, it's impacting the company. So I have worked with those couples. I would say I've been working with one partner being in startup and the other partner being a tech engineer or working in some other place and they're not available for each other. They're not able to provide enough time to each other or their family. I do work with teenagers and their parents. So generally, teenagers are sent to my office. And parents think that it's the teenager who has the problem and they have nothing to do with it. In my work, I realized that even the parents have to be part of the therapy. And that's when I started working with teenagers and their families. If I'm taking a teenager, I always work with the family too. Okay. And how do you, what is kind of the approach to treatment then? How do you work? Yeah. So I have an integrative approach to counseling, focusing on humanistic attachment and family system theories. So when I say humanistic, humanistic approach involves better understanding of your worldview and developing true self-acceptance. It focuses on helping an individual to grow as a whole rather than treating a diagnosis. In fact, humanistic approach is worth a shot if you are looking for ways to make your life fulfilling, regardless of whether you have an underlying mental health condition. I provide unconditional positive regard to the clients and do active listening. So I would say you don't have to have that mental health diagnosis. It's just that if you want to have a better life, better understanding of yourself and the others, psychotherapy is helpful. What about it is important to see somebody who maybe has that specialty and and experience in terms of treating that type of group? So I would say we all have, we all have our strengths and challenges. 
And then it's hard for us to own that we have challenges. And sometimes we are so stuck in the challenges that we don't try to work on the strengths. So when we are just able to experience ourselves and understand our strong emotions, when we talk about depression, anxiety, these are the emotions that they protect us. But we start questioning them because there's always a judgment. Oh, you are anxious. You have some anxiety problem. You have some depression. But they don't understand that there is something good about these emotions. So it's always helpful to understand your experiences. And that makes it easy for you to grow as a person. And then when it's helpful in any relationship, any work that you do. So I would say when I said I have family systems approach, so family systems approach suggests that individuals cannot be understood from one another, but rather as a part of their family, as the family is an emotional unit. So I'll just give you an example that might help you to understand. So I'll talk about one of my teenager clients who was sent to my office for substance abuse issues. While learning about his family systems, I learned that his father was running a startup and he was working long hours managing a business and employees. By the time he gets home, he's exhausted and maybe he eats the dinner quietly. The wife finds herself to be anxious and overwhelmed. And maybe she's on the edge too while taking care of the kids on her own and doing the household chores. And maybe if she's working, it becomes all the more difficult for her. And then the teenage son, who was my client, to avoid the tension at home, he would spend more time with his friends after school. And he started experimenting with marijuana, which only increased the stress of his dad and anxiety of his mom. And then he had a sister, a school-age sister, who in attempt to gain the love and affection from her parents, immerses herself in her studies and develops an obsessive and perfectionist drive. So in this example, you see this client came for substance abuse problem, or I would say emotional problems. Using the family system, I was able to understand the development of the symptoms. So I would say with this approach, I'm not blaming the parents or the family for the, my client's substance abuse issues or emotional issues, but instead it helped me to understand how all the family members influence each other. And then while the treatment, it was easy when I was able to work with the family and they were all able to come to an agreement or maybe learn about the healthy balance between cohesiveness and individuality within the family relationship. So is it, it's in the understanding that there's change? Yes. So I would say understanding where the problem starts because when there is a disbalance, when somebody is working a lot, the imbalance starts from there right away and it does impact the family. But if they're able to communicate more, maybe understand each other, it becomes much easier for the family, for the parents to be present. Like first the couple have to have an understanding and then the parents have an, being there with their kids. 
So it actually was helpful to kind of get a sense of, of kind of how you think and conceptualize cases. Yeah. So I would say I'm a trauma-informed therapist. I offer a safe, compassionate environment to make their experience understandable and manageable. So there is hope, healing, and long-lasting change. Mm-hmm. And just curious about kind of people in the tech world and entrepreneurs, like what are the positive shifts that people do make? Yeah. So I would start with this, that I use cognitive behavior therapy for anxiety and depression, low self-esteem and other mood disorders. So, and I use emotionally focused therapy for relationship issues. I do integrate Eastern philosophies from Bhagavad Gita, learning from yoga and mindfulness in my work. So before going into the details of the paperwork to answer your question, I would start with how emotions protect us, right? So let's say your anxiety forces you to prepare well for the test or presentation. The advantages of the depressive thoughts are they protect you from disappointment. They make you aware that bad outcomes are possible. They motivate you to change your behavior. At the same time, these thoughts show your core values like you have high standard for yourself. You have a strong sense of integrity and willingness to examine your flaws. You are a responsible person and not reckless. If I would say that you have such high core values, would you like to give away the anxiety and depression? Most of my clients would say, no, we want to maintain some anxiety and some depression because it's helpful. Yeah, we don't want to be completely depressed. So most of the time, my patients, they are pleasantly shocked to suddenly discover that their painful negative thoughts and feelings are actually a healthy manifestations of their core values. Our thoughts create our mood. It's not the event, but the meaning we make of the event that impacts our mood. So it's the negative thoughts that lead one to depression and anxiety. So I would say I administer a lot of methods to crush the negative thoughts, mm. like exposure therapy, positive reframing, examine the evidence, and so on. So these negative thoughts, they have cognitive distortions. And cognitive distortions are highly misleading ways to think about yourself and the world. So like I said, when I was having these lonely feelings and I was questioning my emotions, I was afraid that I would be judged by others. I was judging myself. And then when I realized about the cognitive distortions, so let's say a founder says, I'm no good. The cognitive distortion is all or nothing thinking. So either he or she is very good or they're not good at all. So this is a distortion that impacts our mood. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you are just discounting the positive. I can never do it right. There is nothing specially good about me. These cognitive distortions directly impacts our self-esteem. And then our confidence is being impacted. And then we are questioning ourselves. We are questioning other person. We are questioning the world. I would say underneath these thoughts, there are a number of self-defeating beliefs that make us vulnerable to painful mood slumps when certain kind of events occur. For example, if you have what I call approval addiction, 
then you base your self esteem on what others think of you so when you get approval you feel terrific because you feel worthwhile but you will be prone to anxiety and depression any time you think people are judging or criticizing you self defeating beliefs are present whether or not you are feeling upset in the session we would identify these beliefs and then we would modify them and then it would make you less vulnerable to feelings of depression and anxiety in the future like i would say founders and leaders they are prone to achievement addiction my worthwhiteness depends on my achievement intelligence talent status or income emotophobia is very common in leaders they would say i should never feel sad i should never be anxious or inadequate or vulnerable i have to sweep my feelings under the rug and not upset anyone so these self defeating beliefs does not allow them to be grounded and they do not gain a sense of achievement from loved ones or other roles in life self worth is not the same as net worth so i would say on an individual level i would try to work with them to understand their emotions and then when it comes to relationship as i said i use emotionally focused therapy which is also known as eft so eft approaches are based on the premise that human emotions are connected to human needs and therefore emotions have an innately adaptive potential that if activated and worked through can help people change problematic emotional states and interpersonal relationships in eft we are mapping out how our conversations and actions reflect our deepest needs and fears and build or tear down our most precious connections with others <laughs> entrepreneurship is a risk taking solo act while marriage is about security and togetherness so if you are married a startup competes directly against your marriage so when i work uh, with couples i would hear the partners talking about how my spouse has been questioning me if i love them or not if i if i'm important to them while the tech is overly focused on the success of the company their family feels neglected and if the wife was able to connect with her primary emotion of sadness that she feels that she's not being loved and if she was able to talk about it rather than being angry or lashing out at the husband it would be easier for the husband to have a communication so i would say with eft they were able to first experience their own emotion and then they were able to understand the other's emotion and talk about their needs and the other person's need really interesting well i i want to be kind of mindful of the time mm-hmm. so it's kind of it was helpful to kind of run through the types of therapy and some cases that you've kind of worked with and how you kind of would approach those cases before we end is there anything that is kind of you want to mention to the listener so i would say i engage in continuing education and professional development 
for me true spirituality is making people calmer happier and more peaceful and it is a mental attitude that i practice regularly and you incorporate that into your work with clients too it sounds like yes okay all right well i really appreciate you being here and talking to us a bit about the work that you do it was very helpful to kind of hear from you and your approaches i'll make sure that your information is on the episode description so people can learn about you and the work that you do and it was great having you on thank you This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and nine offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.